Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. Welcome on into the Phillies Today podcast. I am your host, Dan Wilson, coming to you following a Phillies 8-4 win over the Tampa Bay Rays, a series win over the Tampa Bay Rays down at Tropicana Field. Always nice when the Phillies win a series. Always nice when the Phillies win back-to-back games in a series over not just a good team, but one of the best teams in all of Major League Baseball. Tampa Bay Rays uh, for much of this season, and including right this very second uh, here on this Thursday morning, have the best record uh, in the American League anyway. For a lot of the season, have had the best record in all of Major League Baseball, but best record in the American League, not necessarily the direct competition of the Phillies, but certainly a good litmus test uh, in terms of a team with talent. And they've played teams all season long. This was just the second time all season uh, the Rays have lost a series at home. The other team they did it to, the defending World Series champs, the Houston Astros, did it back to them in April. And then the Phillies went on to beat the Astros uh, in a series on the road. And then you know, a couple months later here in early July, uh, the Phillies go on to beat uh, the Rays uh, in a series at Tropicana Field. Has not happened to them a lot this season. The Phillies an elite company. Uh, and I have a number of takeaways on this game. First of all, I think the more the Phillies continue to play well, and they are now 20-8 and eight since the start of June. So 28 games since the beginning of June. They entered the month of June six games below 500. They now six, sit uh, six games above 500. So certainly a lot to be proud of there uh, if you're a Phillies fan. Uh, when you look at the playoff standings, they used to sit way far out of a playoff spot. They haven't made up a ton of ground or nearly as much ground as you would expect or hope uh, during this time frame, but they are tied for the last wild card spot currently. They are 46 and 39, the San Francisco Giants 47 and 40, so they have played two more games uh, than the Phillies have just you know, in, in terms of scheduling circumstance, uh, but they are both tied in terms uh, of win percentage, essentially. Phillies technically a, a point higher, but in terms of the games back, uh, the Phillies and Giants are tied. The Brewers are a game back behind the Phillies. And then there's a bit of a drop-off to six games, Padres and Cubs. And uh, the teams that the Phillies are chasing, again, the Giants, who they played horribly against in San Francisco, still a series that remains to be played in Philadelphia. The Dodgers uh, sit above them, uh, who the Phillies have played uh, already this season. And the Marlins, who the Phillies have a big three-game series heading into the All-Star break uh, coming up this Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. Uh, and those games are more important than they ever have been, A, because the, they're sitting right there with you in the standings, and you know they don't play the teams within the NL East as much as they used to. They used to get 19 games, and they only get 13 games against those. And certainly uh, Lone Depot Park or Marlins Park or uh, whatever you want to call the ballpark down in Miami has been a house of horrors for the Phillies for <laughs> for a number of years. And going down there and winning a series would be very, very big uh, for the playoff standing and for the the psyche of this baseball team. And 
By the way, Tropicana Field has not been a stadium that's been kind to the Phillies either. I mean, they don't go there nearly as much. Uh, it's now going to be once every other year. And in the days of old interleague play before last year, uh, they were only going there, you know, once every six years in some cases. And they, you know, they played there in COVID because of the weird bubble rules. But still, they were bad uh, against the Rays. And again, I get it. And the Rays have been a really, really good team. But the Phillies have had not had a lot of success at Tropicana Field. And they have maybe had two of their best wins of the entire season uh, these past couple of games. You go back to Tuesday's game on July 4th, Aaron Nola in a spot where I would not guess the the, the faith of the fan base uh, was high for Nola in a spot like that. Phillies you know, vibes were kind of down. Momentum was down. Energy around the team was down after losing two of three to Washington. You're coming off an off day, and it's like, all right, they're going to lose to Zach Eflin, and Nola's going to come out and you know, maybe he struggles to get through six innings, allow four or five runs, uh, and he's disappointing. Uh, but he comes out, he pitches great, and the Phillies go on to win. And then you follow that up on Wednesday, and you figure, all right, Taiwan Walker's on the mound. He's been he's been pretty good uh, as of late. Uh, but that the Rays kind of do for a bounce back, and there's no way the Phillies are just going to win the first two games of the series. Uh, and instead, they you know the Rays punched him early. I mean, there there was. The Rays had the lead at 2-0, they had the lead at 3-2, they had the lead at 4-3. Uh, and give credit where the credit is due. The Phillies, and it feels like this never happens, like, punch back every single time. Uh, like I said, they were down 2-0 in the first, they were down, and they, in the, immediately in the top of the second, they tie it 2-2. Bottom of the second, Rays go up 3-2, top of the third, Phillies make it 3-3. Bottom of the third, Rays go up 4-3. Top of the fifth inning, they didn't respond in the fourth, but in the fifth inning, they go up 5-4, Sixth inning, they go up 6-4. Seventh inning, they go up 8-4, and they never look back. And all things considered, Taiwan Walker was pretty good in this game. His his line goes seven innings, four runs, uh, so it was not technically a quality start. Not one of his better starts of the season, uh, just when you look at it from that standpoint. But more on him later, because uh, he was one of my takeaways in this game. My first takeaway uh, from this game, and from this series uh, in general, but really from Wednesday's game, is that the Phillies have just done the little things extremely, extremely well. And when I say the little things, I mean things as simple as turning double plays. They had three of them on Wednesday night. Two out hits. There was, you know, sometime there was an inning on Wednesday night where it looked like they had nothing going at all. And then, you know, a two out single leads to another hit and that guy drives him in. And that's the kind of thing where you say to yourself, okay, they're not giving up on innings. And despite there have been many games this season where I feel like they're giving up on at bats and uh, they're swinging early in counts and two outs. You know, you can get up and get something out of the fridge because the Phillies aren't going to be doing anything uh, with this inning at all. That was not the case on Wednesday night. You had to stay and watch each and every at bat the Phillies had because they kept it competitive, they kept it interesting, um, and they kept you, you know, glued to the TV, frankly, because that's what the Phillies offense did. They made the Rays pitchers work. Uh, they went through. Let me see. One, two, three, four, five, six different Rays pitchers. Um, the plan for the Rays was that Yanni Chirinos would be uh, the bulk pitcher, uh, but he only goes two and two thirds after uh, Zach Lytell went two innings, and then uh, each guy in their bullpen after that, no one went more than two innings. Um, so they, you know, I know Kevin Cash has been known to manage games a bit differently, but the Phillies got deep into their bullpen and have gotten deep into their bullpen uh, within the first two games of the series, which is huge. I mean, that is a huge, huge thing, especially when. You know, the Phillies looking for a series sweep on Thursday. Uh, they've burned through a number of the relievers, not necessarily the high-leverage relievers for the Rays. Uh, they like to preserve those uh, in, for cases in which they're winning and they're 
looking to attack and win that game. Um, but as far as so far, like they have burned through uh, all of their, I'll say, middle to lower leverage relievers so far in this series just by grinding out at bats, just by making the Rays work. Um, and in the particular case of Wednesday night, I thought the Phillies did a really, really good job showing res- showing resiliency, um, working through at bats, and doing the little things like those two out hits, the double plays, the smart approach at the plate, and more than anything else, I, forgot, I almost forgot, hitting with runners in scoring position. What a concept. Uh, and that's how the Phillies got to eight runs on Wednesday. And that is the biggest difference uh, between why they won this game and if they played their old brand of baseball where they did none of those things, uh, they probably would not have won this game. So that, that was my biggest takeaway uh, in from game two of this series, Phillies and Rays. Number two, Bryson Stott, dude's playing like an all-star. Like he, you want to talk about a guy who does the little things on a consistent basis when the Phillies as a team do not do things uh, of that nature on a consistent basis. Bryson Stott delivers with four more hits uh, on Wednesday night. He finishes four for five. A two-run scored, an RBI, a double, uh, and a stolen base in this game. And he is just, he is such a fun at-bat to watch. I mean, there were times last year where you felt like, all right, he doesn't allow himself to get out via the strikeout, but eventually the other pitcher is going to generate some weak contact, or he can foul off pitches till the cows come home, but he's he does get himself out. And we're, we can only applaud the, the tough at-bat so many times. Like, eventually you got to get yourself on base. This guy's hitting 300. He does he does the little things in the field correctly. He's a smart ball player. Um, and he goes up and he gives a tough grind at a bat. But now they're resulting in hits. As I mentioned, four hits, uh, including an RBI. Uh, he drove in the go-ahead run, actually, in this game uh, to make it 5-4, to four, I believe. Uh, I am correct on that. Yes, in the fifth inning, he drove a, a single to center, uh, and that made it 5-4. to four. The double-check my notes. He so he's the game-winning hit in this game. He was four for four at one point. Did eventually dropping down to four for five. Yeah, off night, t- rough go of it for uh, Bryson Stott. This guy just hits. Like he is a core, like textbook hitter. The way that your little league coach, the way that your dad taught you uh, to an approach and at bat, like swinging at strikes, letting balls go by. Uh, if you get a tough pitch with two strikes, fouling it off and living to see another day. That's what I feel like Bryson Stott does. And the the guy's playing like an all-star. I, I'm not going to go as far to say as he was snubbed from becoming an all-star uh, because he probably hasn't done it quite as consistently, also doesn't have the name recognition uh, at this point in his career. But he's probably about a year away. I mean, if he keeps this up, he'll certainly find himself in the all-star game a year from now. He's playing at an all-star caliber level and would not. it's not insane to say that if he was nominated to the All-Star game as an alternate or something like that, like I don't think he would be a boy amongst men. I don't think he would look out of place. That's just how well Bryson Stott is playing as of this point. I feel very, very confident when he is up at the plate. And I feel very, very confident at that he's going to grind out at a bat each and every time. That guy does not make easy outs. This guy does not go up there without a plan. This guy doesn't go up there hacking at the first pitch just for the hell of it. Like he seems like a very prepared player, a very almost you know no one is Chase Utley. There's not going to be another Chase Utley uh, in the history of the franchise. I'm not drawing the comparison and saying that he is, but it's almost Utley esque the way that Chase. You felt like Chase Utley was the most prepared player on the field every single time. You felt like he watched 55 hours of film on every starting pitcher that he faced, and he knew exactly what pitch sequence he was going to get, 
and that if there was going to be a pitch he needed to spoil, he would spoil it. If he needed to lean into a pitch, he would do that. I haven't seen Bryson Stott quite do that uh, on a consistent basis as of yet. But you get my gist. Chase Utley would do all of the little things to find himself an edge and do the little things to like scrap away. Utley would be the first guy to tell you that he was never the most talented player. I'm not even sure if Bryson Stott was naturally the most talented player. He was a first-round pick uh, and has a lot of talent, but he also does a lot of little things that add to his value. He doesn't just solely rely on you know big mammoth home runs, or he doesn't necessarily solely rely uh, just on his talent. Not to suggest that a guy like Bryce Harper does that, but Bryce Harper, I would to compare the two Vegas guys for a second, is probably more of the naturally like gifted type of player. He he was the one who uh, was a highly talented prospect it, in honor of them playing in Tropicana Field. You know, there's that video from when he was 16 hitting bombs uh, at Tropicana Field. I mean, Br- Bryce Harper was always the guy who was regarded as the baseball prodigy, and he could do no wrong on a baseball field, and he has more talent than any high schooler we've ever seen. Bryson Stott, you know, as talented as he was, doesn't strike me as that guy. He strikes me as a guy who really feels like he scraps for everything, regardless of how much talent he has, and especially at the big league level. Uh, it's paying dividends for him. Again, he hit leadoff uh, earlier in the season. He's currently back in the sixth hole. Uh, hard to argue with the Schwarber in the leadoff spot at the moment because of how well things have been going. Um, but if Schwarber were to decline and you know really fall off, or there are things where there's the Rob Thompson finds himself in a situation where uh, the Phillies kind of plateau a little bit, uh, and he's looking to spark the lineup once again. Would not be surprised if Bryson Stott finds himself back at the top of this lineup or higher up in the lineup, to say the least, uh, before the end of the season because baseball is a long season. We have not hit the all-star break yet. Again, I don't think Rob Thompson's in any rush to move Schwarber out of that leadoff spot. It seems to be working. Uh, but Bryson Stott, if he keeps playing like this, he's going to force Rob Thompson's hand. He's not going to stay hitting sixth. Uh, as consistently as he as he is, that's just how well he is playing. So takeaway number two, Bryson Stott, you're playing like an all star. Takeaway number three, uh, and I mentioned this, I kind of alluded to it a little bit. Taiwan Walker, I think, was a lot better than his line showed. As I mentioned, seven innings, five hits, four runs, all of them earned, five walks. That is on him, uh, but eight strikeouts, and he goes 101 pitches. So his, you know, his location and his you know, command could have been a little bit better, um, certainly. But in terms of, you know, those four runs that he allowed, two of those runs came in the first inning. And yes, it was a leadoff walk. And so I'm sure the the baseball purists, and a little bit myself included, will tell you that he was asking for it. But there was a leadoff walk and he got back-to-back strikeouts. He allows a single to Randy Rosarena. Uh, and then Brandon Lau gets a double on basically a big league pop-up that drops into no man's land where Trey Turner's running more than 100 feet out into left field because Kyle Schwarber's not a competent left fielder and Trey Turner uh, is the one closer to the ball. If there is a half-decent major league left fielder, then whoever that left fielder is catches that ball and walkers out of the inning and he doesn't allow two runs because, you know, good for the Rays, uh, base running and running hard on that play, perhaps knowing who the left fielder was, uh, Yandy Diaz scored, and Randy Rosarena scores all the way from first, uh, booking it uh, from you know with two outs to, in the inning. So, you know, credit to the Rays and credit to hustling, and you know certainly uh, not the type of hustle we saw from Bryce Harper uh, in Tuesday's game when he hit a ball to the wall and 
only ended up on first base. Uh, the Rays just wired just a bit differently, or at least a Rosarena is, where he just books it with two outs, uh, and he was ready to score no matter what. Kyle Schwarber is continues to be a liability for this team and left. Um, Taiwan Walker generated weak contact there. Again, he was the leadoff walk. He had five walks in the outing. I'm not telling you uh, he had ace stuff or anything like that, uh, but I do think he had a, a very good outing. I think he continues to pitch very, very well for this team. Uh, I think Taiwan Walker has actually turned into an asset for this team, and I now look forward to his starts way more than I did, let's say, a month and a half ago, uh, where it looked one of the, like one of the most disastrous signings the Phillies were going to have for the next four years. And by the way, another disastrous signing, or another signing that looked like it was going to be disastrous early and has really kind of come into his own, and he didn't appear, appear in the game on Tuesday, uh, but he did, or on Wednesday, he did appear on Tuesdays, Craig Kimbrell, uh, who has clearly just become the closer. That, he hasn't appeared uh, short of the ninth inning since April. So two Dave Dombrowski acquisitions from the offseason, talking about Taiwan Walker and Craig Kimbrell, uh, one has just become the full-time closer and has really settled into his role here with the Phillies. Taiwan Walker took a little bit to settle uh, in Philadelphia as well, but has really, really pitched well for this team. Uh, and again, the early returns, and myself included, I thought Dave Dombrowski... Uh, did not have a good offseason at all. I thought that the, some of the moves he made, it looked like they were not going to pan out or things weren't going to go well, and the 2022 Phillies, were that was going to be their peak, and they were going to kind of come back down to life here. And they're still vying for that wild card spot. I'm not declaring that they're headed back to the World Series just yet, but you know, I'll, if I'm going to rip them, I'm going to rip Dombrowski two months ago when his moves are not working. Uh, I will give him praise here uh, because his moves have been working. He found himself uh, a nice full-time closer, kind of gives Rob Thompson flexibility as to when he would like to use Jose Alvarado in the seventh inning and the eighth inning. Uh, one of the best hitters coming up, one of the best lefty hitters coming up. That's kind of what Alvarado has become, where Kimbrell is more the traditional ninth inning guy. Uh, but more importantly, not necessarily more importantly, but more prevalent pointing back to Wednesday's game, uh, Taiwan Walker has been really, really strong. And was he worth four years, $72 million? No, probably not. But in the year 2023, he has overall uh, been a very good pitcher, and he had a few really, really bad starts uh, on the West Coast, but he is very much settled in. Uh, he's keeping a number of... He, he's been doing a much better job of generating weak contact. Uh, again, five walks, eight strikeouts. You'd like to see that ratio get a little better, but he is, you know, your fourth starter for, for you know lack of a better way of putting it. So it, you don't necessarily expect the world out of that guy. You just expect him to keep you competitive. And also hats off to Rob Thompson really quick for kind of riding with him there at the end. There was he in the seventh inning, uh, as I mentioned, Tywon Walker gets through seven innings uh, in this game. If you go to the seventh inning in the bottom of the seventh, uh, Phillies were up eight to four. So certainly it, it a little bit more breathing room. I'm sure this factored into Rob Thompson's decision-making, uh, but he starts the inning with a leadoff walk to Taylor Walls uh, and immediately gets a, a double play from Francisco Mejia uh, and then gets Yandy Diaz to li line out. Like Rob Thompson sticking with his guy didn't just go out and pull him immediately after the leadoff walk, didn't say, all right, we got to turn it over to the bullpen. Again, they were up four runs, I get it, uh, but he let him battle through, and he kind of has earned... He has noticeably earned more trust out of Rob Thompson, and I think deservedly so, to the point where he finishes Wednesday night's game with 101 pitches, seven innings, as I mentioned, four runs, two of them on a little bloop 
stinky hit where he should have stranded those runners. Uh, so I think overall, Taiwan Walker pitched a good game, not a great game, but a good game on Wednesday. I think Bryson Stott was the player of the game, again, getting four hits, and he's playing like an all-star and just puts together a great at-bat each and every time. Uh, and the little things, the Phillies hit with two outs. Uh, they had three double plays in this game. They had a smart approach to the plate all night long, uh, and they were able to convert uh, with runners in scoring position. Also, two home runs helped. Uh, the Phillies have not hit for an abundance of power, uh, even through this winning streak. Home runs from Trey Turner uh, and Nick Castellanos in this game certainly big as well. Just a weird little note. Uh, there were two home runs in this game, one by Trey Turner uh, and one by one that was hit by the Rays. Each foul pole was hit in this game. I can't remember the last time I've seen... Foul pole home runs are rare enough as they are. Trey, Turn, Trey Turner uh, in this game hit a ball off the left field foul pole, which I believe is 315 down the line. That was far up uh, on the pole. Still kind of just got it down that short porch, I guess, if you could say. Um, and for the Rays, the Luke Rayleigh home run in the bottom of the third inning that gave them a 4-3 lead went high up on the right field foul pole, which I believe is 325. So both foul poles were hit in this game. I don't know if I've ever seen a baseball game where both foul poles were hit, and I don't know if I'll ever, if anyone will ever see it again. Uh, that is pretty obscure, pretty specific. I don't know if you'll ever see two, even if it was the same foul pole hit twice in the same game. Uh, that's pretty rare as well. So um, a nice, weird game kind of had the feelings that it was going to be a back-and-forth course field-esque game uh, for a while there where the Phillies and Rays were just exchanging punches uh, one run after another after another. But in the end, it was the Phillies who took the lead and then delivered a couple of knockout punches with the Castellanos home run uh, and a two-RBI knock uh, by Brandon Marsh that put him up 8-4. It allows Rob Thompson to not use his best relievers in this game, keep Taiwan Walker in. Uh, he turned it over to the bullpen first with Gregory Soto, uh, the fresh haircut Gregory Soto. Uh, who had not pitched since the Phillies uh, were in at Wrigley Field last week. Uh, and then he goes to Jeff Hoffman for the ninth inning. Didn't have to use Kimbrell, didn't have to use Alvarado. Uh, felt comfortable with those guys. Soto, clean inning. Uh, Jeff Hoffman, clean inning. Uh, they each allow one hit, but one strikeout for Soto, two strikeouts for Hoffman. Uh, pretty stress-free, stress-free experience uh, going to those guys. So... Uh, a nice win for the Phillies, nice back-to-back wins for the Phillies, and a nice series win uh, here for the Phillies. So that'll do it for today's episode uh, of the Phillies Today podcast. Again, series finale coming up uh, later uh, today, uh, 6.40 start down at Tropicana Field. It'll be Christopher Sanchez uh, for the Phillies, Sean Armstrong for the Rays. Again, you don't always feel great when uh, the Phillies have that five spot going, but uh, Christopher Sanchez has been a pretty solid option ever since he's come back up to the big league club. Uh, so hopefully the Phillies can get a series sweep, sweep uh, and then ride that momentum into Miami. Again, this has been the Phillies Today podcast with your host, Dan Wilson. I'll talk to you next week. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. 
T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. 